RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's Tuesday morning, and last Tuesday, I told you that we would be having a regular feature on Tuesday mornings called Tech Tuesday. Not the most imaginative title, I know, but it says what it is. And Stephen Sykes will be joining us every Tuesday morning at around this time to talk tech and technology and digital and all that uh, um, information will be in to talk about tech, you know, IT, even mechanical tech. He built his own car, he told us uh, last time. Kit, wasn't it? Steve, from um, what was the TV series? Uh, Welcome back, by the way. Thanks. Uh, It was from Knight Rider. Knight Knight Rider, that's right. Yeah, the Knight Industries 2000. I was never a fan of, of Kit's voice. Trying to remember how it sounded, or it was sort of patronising, like. Yes, he, he he was a bit pompous. Pompous, um, that's the word. Yeah. Yes. So, um, the the actor William Daniels, who who did Kit's voice, um, people might know him from uh, Boy Meets World. Um, there wasn't. There was a hospital hospital drama as as well. He was in. I can't think. Oh, General was, Hospital or something like or that. Or Saint Elsewhere or something. Oh, Saint Elsewhere. I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never, I never saw it, but uh, it, it's one of no, those so, people where you just like you hear the voice and like, why have I heard that voice before? I tell you, if my car talked to me like that, I'd, I'd tell it to shut up. Yeah, well, it, that's probably trying to tell you that maybe you should inspect the ball joints or something. Well, I guess if it was that, like, yeah, uh, brake linings uh, could uh, do with some attention, yeah. or you could change the voice. You could, you know, change the voice. You could select any voice you. Well, that's probably what you can do. Uh, these days anyway we've got you back and great to have you so let's start off by letting people know that if they have questions right and queries related to tech you're happy for them to email them into us at inbox reality check.radio and you'll where where you can you'll answer them and and help out yep that's the plan okay get ready for the get ready for the the avalanche the waterfall now, also, last time we talked and it got a bit of reaction, we were talking about de-Googling phones and all of that. And we'll get to that at some point, um, you know, in the weeks ahead. But you want to start off the serious chat because it was a scene setter last time on privacy, privacy. Is privacy the word, the word of the moment? It is, and it always has been, but it's just not always talked about and we're not always conscious of it, but... It is, uh, it's of fundamental, paramount importance and everybody must understand what the, what this is because when you see its value, you understand the importance. When you understand the importance, you then know you need to defend it and we must insist in privacy and in, in all the um, digital systems we use and just in everyday life. And... I want to get that concept deeply understood. Um, so then everything else that I might talk about, whether it's de-Googling phones, makes sense and you see the point. Yeah. Um, e- e- Elon Musk um, mentioned a while ago that um, he-, he opened a school. I don't know how far it's gone, but he sort of saw education in the reverse way. So instead of uh, teaching people, you know, Instead of having a course to say, here's how you use a screwdriver, instead you go the other way and go, well, let's take apart a car. All of a sudden, the significance of the screwdriver stands out and you see the point to it. Now, 
privacy gives us all the ability to express ourselves, to be creative, to spend our time and money in whatever manner that we like without the scrutiny or the judgment of others. It should protect our intimate moments, our really embarrassing moments, and also our really embarrassing ambitions, ambitions, our strange and radical ideas, and the ability to be our true selves. And when you can appreciate this, you realize that privacy is freedom. Yeah, that's a really good point you make about judgment. Because badly traded privacy results in judgment, right? People yep. judge you on what they know about you. And the more oh, they yes. know, the more judgy they can be. And the more you can be manipulated. One of the biggest um, misconceptions, if I can call it that politely, is the attitude that I have nothing to hide, I have nothing to fear. And I may sound like I'm preaching to the converted by everybody listening to this, but to anyone who doesn't feel that um, that statement um, is applicable, um, 10 bucks says you're wrong. It's a um, very dangerous attitude and it's a cop-out because people often say, well, I'm not an interesting person. I'll tell you something for free. Computers couldn't give a flying fridge magnet if you're interesting or not. Data is collected about you anyway, and sometimes it's for non-obvious purposes. And what if you become interesting later on? You decide, I'm not going to be boring anymore. I'm going to be interesting. Well, if you consider yourself not interesting, I find that kind of sad because to me, you're putting yourself down and you're not seeing your own self-worth. And what if you end up associating with a person who is interesting, but you don't really know it? Simply associating with a person who's considered interesting, that by itself is often enough to get you on someone else's radar who's higher up the food chain or who considers themselves And you could end up, up food chain. being reamed because of it. That's a capitulation, isn't it? I got nothing mm. to hide. I got nothing to fear. That's just right, straight out, first up, capitulation. Yeah. Um, I would probably summarize it as bollocks. Okay. It's the attitude, nothing to hide, nothing to fear. It's it's bollocks. But it's the, gutless also. It's It's got an yes. element of gutlessness about it. Yes. It's trying to avoid personal responsibility. And the that attitude also comes, I think, from a place of thinking or assumption that that means that you're doing something illegal. The thing to keep in mind is that laws change and not all laws are actually any good anyway. Look at Ireland lately who are look at bringing in hate speech laws. Remember, um, if you cast your mind back to 1989, um, that unidentified Chinese man holding a bag of groceries in Tiananmen Square, who stood down a line of tanks in Beijing the day after the Chinese government's violent crackdown on the protests. You also need to consider that societal norms change, but the data that's collected about you is forever. You may have, uh, you may have certain political preferences and you voted for a particular party, 
and hey, it's your lucky day, they get elected into um, into government. And you go, yay, cool. Then they come out with some laws that some other people might think are a bit controversial regarding privacy and data collection, but you're not too worried because you like these guys so and you trust them. But then you need to consider the obvious fact they're not in power forever, thank God for that. The next administration will have access to all that stuff that's been collected about you to be used in the future. So a leader may resign and another one gets appointed. So you have have no idea how it's going to be used. That's already happened. You just got me thinking. And I think it's happened to me. It's probably happened to a lot of people. I used to consider myself, for example, a liberal lefty. Yeah, And I supported the Labour Party for many years. My family tradition was kind of that. But I felt naturally on that side. Now I am seen by that side, which is not that side anymore. It's changed. Now I am seen as basically, depending on who you talk to, disinformation project maybe now, I am an ultra-right, possibly neo-Nazi, and almost certainly racist, transphobic. That's how it's changed. That's yeah. what you're just telling us about. Yeah. The other thing to consider is that um, these people are unlikely to think that because you believed something in a certain way 10 years ago that you still will think that way. As a human being, you're entitled to evolve and mature and your views on things as you go through life will alter. And maybe in the past, Certain photos, silly photos of you up to all kinds of interesting antics get posted online and they find this information and they still assume you're that same person. Fun fact, you're probably not. You've probably seen the error of your ways, but when stuff is kept forever, that's preserved and can be held against you. Yeah, well, the tribe I used to be with is now not the tribe I'm with now. So the tribe I used to be with won't like me. So Again, that information, any information on me can be used by whichever side for whatever purpose exactly. on me. I'm not making about me, but I'm using myself as an example. Yes. Yeah. And as, as, as humans, as people, we make privacy decisions many, many times throughout the day. When you meet someone for the first time, you go through a process of building trust. First off, you start... Um, talking about frivolous things like the weather or the price of fish or actually the, the, the rugby, the rugby. the rugby. Yeah. And well, the price of anything. And you, you go through um, along with your intuition, you are gauging what level of trust that you can establish with a person. And then as you go through this, you end up sharing a bit more intimate, more private and delicate details of your lives there are some private thoughts and conversations you'd be happy to have with one person and not with another. So when you go to the dairy and you go and buy some milk, you're unlikely to start spilling the beans of what you did last night in your private time to the person behind the counter. A, they're not going to care, and secondly, you just wouldn't do it. Um, if, If we knew everything, everything about each other, there'd be just madness and chaos. We're a, we're a mixed bag of um, emotions. We are all capable of love, hope, and joy, but we're also capable of greed, anger, jealousy, resentment, and all those things. Do we want all of that negative stuff 
out in the open too. By keeping some of these things private to ourselves, we keep a level of societal harmony. And if we lose the privacy, we lose the harmony. This has got nothing to do with it being illegal. This is just the way we're built. Yeah. Okay, so there are, you know, there's the way we've lived our lives up to quite recently, and now we've got all this technology coming in and, and the ability of lots of entities to drill into our data, who we are, to, to breach that privacy. Now, I think people say, I've got nothing to hide, I've got nothing to worry about, because it might just seem all too hard to manage it in the first place. So how do you break it down into manageable thoughts or you know daily procedures? Um, obviously, we know when we're meeting people face to face, we've already so we're already tuned to that. We don't we don't tell them everything about ourselves on the first meeting, like you said. But when there are things that you can't even see that are invisible that you don't even know about, looking for your information, I mean, what do you do? Well, first you got to you got to think about um, when someone's asking for information. You got to think about what do they need it for. Like I I was on a first aid course. And at the end of the course, they gave you a bit of paper so you could get your certificate. And you wrote down your name, your phone number, your home address and email address, and I think one or two other things. I wrote down my name and my email address only because, A, I wanted my name and the certificate and the email address because I wanted to receive the certificate. And at the end of it, um, the instructors came back to me and said, oh, you haven't filled up this other information. And I said, Yes, that's right. Um, and they said, well, we sort of need it. And I said, well, why do you need it? And they said, um, well, in case we need to contact you. Well, in I case said, we need to send you a text. Well, yeah. And 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 um, then I said, well, I asked a whole bunch of hard questions that I knew she wouldn't have the answers to around um, data, integrity, privacy, and security. And then there was someone in the class who said out loud, oh, I've got nothing to hide. And which kind of pushed my buttons a little bit. There's always said, one. There's always one. And I said, oh, okay. Well, in that case, please give everyone to everybody in the room your passport information if you've got one, your credit card information, your PIN numbers to all of your cards, your mother's maiden name, your email addresses and all the passwords for them, your home physical address, and while you're at it, take off your clothes. I'm like, What? <laughs> Well, you're hiding, you your, hide. <laughs> you're hiding your body under your clothes, aren't you? So if you really think you've got nothing to hide. Well, maybe there is nothing to hide. <laughs> well, maybe there is. I, 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 have a, um, I have a female friend who has a male doctor. She goes to this doctor because um, she finds that he's very good at his craft. He's a good doctor. He's good. However, when it comes to things relating to female health, she doesn't want to go and see a male doctor, does she? She wants to see her female doctor about that sort of stuff. Fair enough. Yeah. And you can also consider privacy in the physical and another way in the physical domain, whereby if you go to a park with a friend, um, a public park is a bit like the internet. Everyone's got the ability to go there publicly and use it. But when you, you're in a park, you're in a public space, there's an unspoken rule or an expectation that even though you're in a public space, you can still have a private conversation. Yeah. If you, were, you were sitting down at a park bench talking with a friend about something really personal and some stranger 
walks up and doesn't utter a word and just simply sits down and observes your conversation, you'll stop because you'd be like, you're not part of this conversation. Who are you? Go away. Um, What the hell are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, get out of it. Um, And people will confuse, and it's understandable, that privacy and secrecy are the same thing. They're really, really not. People who are in, um, I know people in cybersecurity, and I can clearly tell they don't understand concepts of cyber privacy. To explain... That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Well, I think so. Um, I mean, security is more like the um, protection of of the computer system, not necessarily of the human. Right, gotcha, yeah. So, like, um, everyday ways to think um, or to compare privacy and security is like um, when you go have a shower, everyone knows you're having a shower, but you, you've got your private space. Yeah, they're not in the cubicle with you or wandering un- in for a chat. Un- un- unless it's um, consenting. Um, Even then, it's a bit weird. It, it, can, it can be. Um, when, when you go to the toilet, everyone knows what you're doing in there. You know, you're probably going to get five minutes piece, read a magazine or something, but you've got your privacy doing it unless you leave the toilet door open. You go and you go to a shop to go and try and some clothes. You're in one of those changing cubicles. People know you're trying on clothes, but no one's seeing you doing it. So that's not a secret, but you've got privacy while you're doing it. Same thing. Same thing then. Yeah. In the digital world, let's say. Yeah, exactly. So like um, if if we start, you know, looking at how this affects our lives in the digital space, it was in 2013 that Edward Snowden revealed to the world how the PRISM program allows governments back-end access to all the data that's been collected. So in the US, it's technically legal for their government to do this under what's called the third-party doctrine. This ended up happening because um, the authorities were after some, some bad guy. After that, there was a legal ruling that said because you voluntarily gave away your data in the first place, you don't own it anymore. It belongs to the companies who collected it, and they can give it away to whoever they choose. That's incredible when you think about that, actually. It is. It is. And you, I mean, you, you're owned, man. You're owned in that situation. Someone are. else owns you. Exactly. And so we need to make conscious choices about how our data could be used or abused, not just now, but later on. So some of the most popular bits of software that people use are actually the worst for privacy because they've got things called marketing teams and they offer perks to hook you in. And when you start paying attention to alternative products, you start to realize that all this horrible stuff can be avoided. What you have to do first is actually give a toss about your privacy in the first place and then start the road. This is a this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You need to then start looking at. And when you start using certain uh, software tools to fix the, the problem, you might start to become aware of the metadata problem. Okay, so define me. I, I think 
I know what meta means, but uh, what is metadata exactly? Is that the data that surrounds the item, the object, or whatever? Yeah, it's it's data that describes other data. So, uh-huh. so like for an e- you send an email, right? So the data is the the message that you that you've typed to somebody. Hey, how you doing? What's you up tonight? Want to go see a movie? Whatever. Now the metadata would include things like the date and the time the email was sent. It would include who it came from and who it's going to. Um, To use an old school term, um, if you are posting somebody a physical letter, the data would be what's inside the envelope. The metadata would be the um, destination and the return address. And, and probably even the stamp and the and the date and the date yep. that it was posted. Um, with a phone conversation, the metadata are, are the phone numbers that are involved, not what the conversation is. And there would be also the time, yeah, the time of the where where if it's cell, what cellular tower it went through. So there's a location right there, so exactly. on and so forth. Yeah, there was there's a well-known example of um, metadata coming back to bite someone. Um, and this someone was actually a Chinese phone manufacturer who, as part of their advertising, they were trying to uh, convince everyone that the cameras that they've put in their phones were really, really awesome. Now, in this, they had a, a photograph, and if I remember correctly, it was the token young, um, beautiful woman, straw hat, summer's day, um, and it was a good photo. Um, but when you look at the metadata, that included other things like the focal length of the lens, the resolution, the time and date it was sent, um, shutter speed, GPS location data that's often there. But the thing that caught them out was the fact that it also metadata also for photos typically includes the thing the hardware that took the photo. In this case, it wasn't the phone at all. It was a Canon SLR camera. So they got caught out lying about um, the quality of their camera. So they were using another product to promote their quality. Pretty much. And yeah. and, and, and the metadata gave it away. They hadn't the thought of that. Gave, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the metadata gave Geniuses, eh? Yeah. And... People say, well, metadata is not that big of a deal. Well, it actually is if you ask anybody in charge of a three-letter agency. In 2014, during a debate, the then head of the CIA and NSA, General Michael Hayden, was quoted as saying, we kill people based on metadata, end quote. So in other words, they make decisions on people um, only knowing some of the story, the fact that you might be talking to somebody who else is a target, they might take both targets out, even though only one of them might be an actual proper bad person. Got to be sure, got to be safe and sure. But yeah, I guess they're yeah. a little bit um, trigger happy on stuff. So well, one thing you have to bear in mind, though, this is going forward. I hate that term, but it works, is that that association thing, right? Yeah. So you can be unwittingly associated with either an individual or a, a bigger group of individuals that are under some sort of, let's say, surveillance. And anyone who has any contact with them and identified through that metadata, let's say, is then pulled into the circle 
of interest, whether they are of interest or not. Exactly. Hence my earlier point. You might consider yourself not interesting, but you talk to other people who are. Yeah, good point. Okay, well, I think you have to find that really well. Um, you know, that's w well put. Privacy is not secrecy. Yeah. So divide those two. Um, uh, I got nothing to hide. Forget about that. <laughs> Go back to, to school on that one. <laughs> that, yeah. That's that's done. What about um, um, the, what is appearing in local communities? Okay, we've got cell phone towers everywhere, so there's location available. There's a whole lot of ways of generating data. There's lots of cameras around everywhere that unless you have a really good look, you wouldn't even know they're there, mate. Yep. Yeah. So, so those, well, they're archiving well, you every time, right? Exactly. So, like um, the ca the camera one is really really good, and um, they're typically not built with privacy in mind. For example, um, car parking buildings often have cameras that do license plate scanning, and for example, um, in in Holland. Uh, if you have a company vehicle and you are using it for personal purposes and you are driving more than 500 kilometers a year in it, that's tax evasion unless you declare it ahead of time. All right. Yep. So what happened was that uh, a little thing called feature creep occurred. Now, feature creep is when you design a system to solve a certain problem and it works in a certain way. And then later on, somebody thinks of um, another use for it that was never dreamed of in the beginning. So what happened was uh, in Holland, uh, their equivalent of IRD said, oh, I know. How about we go to the car parking buildings and get their databases of all the vehicles that have been in there? And we can skip the license plate data and then we can associate that with the with who owns it and who hasn't been declaring um, appropriately the mileage that they do. So then it ended up going to court because some people said this was a breach of privacy. The lower court agreed, but then it was appealed and went to a higher court, and the ruling was, no, we need to make sure that people are uh, not committing tax fraud. Now, if the system had been built with privacy in mind from the beginning, it wouldn't have it would have been possible to have had the convenience of what the license plate scanning system does without um, revealing the license plate information on vehicles. That's not hard to do. They just didn't make it that way in the first place. Is that because you just don't think of these things first up? Pretty, yeah, pretty much. And privacy needs to, we need to absolutely insist that privacy be built into stuff. So was, before something's launched, someone, people need to sit down and think of every possible angle of the use of information. Every, even even the most weirdest angles. You need to, you need to work through it all before you allow that. Because I'm picking with the Dutch example that you just gave me. Okay, you know you don't want people evading tax, but is catching down on the people who are using the car a bit too much enough of a threshold to invade, you know, your privacy in that way. I mean, is it worth it? I'd say it's probably not worth it if you're going to have your rights dissolve yeah, away. Well, well, like um, uh, in Australia, 
Um, they've got some of the worst privacy rules there. I've met a person who uprooted his family and came to live in Wellington because of what they introduced there. And it um, and governments tend to want to push through certain rules or law changes, um, and they focus on the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity are things where um, people do bad things to children, terrorists and cyber criminals and they go we're doing this in the name of these things with the idea that okay people will accept that um that change based upon that um hasn't always worked um apple for example we're going to push through a thing whereby everyone's phones all the photos were going to be scanned in order to find evidence of these kinds of things um, and everyone said, uh, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And they also do um, uh, OCR on, on photos. So just the other day, a mate was trying to find me a photograph of um, a packet of dates he'd bought and couldn't remember the, the brand. So in his iPhone, he types dates and it pulls up the photo because it's it's read the photo, the text on the photo of the packet of dates, and it revealed it to him. Um, Crikey. So, and yeah. and then uh, Barack Obama won his US presidency because they used GIS, geographical information systems, because they knew where um, the voters were. They knew who to target. They knew where they lived. They knew how to hit um, them with their, uh, shall we say, advertising campaign. Yeah. And, of course, remember also the Cambridge Analytica scandal where people inferred a whole bunch of stuff based on their Facebook accounts. And people need to um, understand that what happens in the digital realm affects the physical one. And I can scare any teacher by uttering a single word with that in mind. And that is Nova Pay. Remember how? Yes, no, yeah, that was the digital payment system that the National yep. Party or the National Government that Stephen Joyce had to spend millions and millions of dollars sorting out. It just fell over big time. Yep, teachers got underpaid, overpaid, more typically not paid at all. <laughs> well, if you're going to have any, you prefer that one. Yeah, <laughs> if you're the one doling out the money. But yeah, yeah it was a, it was a huge headache, wasn't it? There was a um, very famous case um, ten or so years ago whereby a father stormed into a store, the, into a Target store in the US and said, are you trying to get my teenage girl pregnant by sending her um, advertising on all kinds of pregnancy products? Well, actually, what the father didn't know was that his teenage daughter was already pregnant. She had been oh, looking wow. okay. She had yeah. been looking at Target, looking for the kinds of things that an expecting mother would go and want to look at so it started sending targeted advertising based upon things she'd been looking at before so target knew his daughter was pregnant before he did freaky and one sometimes people come across the phrase um, oh don't worry your data has been anonymized there's no way that anyone can tell who you are based upon the data that's been collected about you that can also be totally bollocks. Many times that has been proven to not be the case. 
A famous example of this was a 62-year-old woman called uh, Thelma Arnold, who, and this was some years ago, and it led to a class action suit whereby America Online, who was her ISP, released three months' worth of search items that their customers had done. And they attempted to anonymize everyone's search by uh, replacing the customer number with some other random number. So a journalist got hold of this and went through it and just happened to pick one. And then he found all the other search occurrences relating to that number. He was able to identify her specifically based upon the searches she had been making. And what's really interesting about this is that a lot of her friends didn't have internet access. So she was looking up stuff for them as well. Right. So that led to them as well, even though they'd been nowhere near it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta think, you gotta think, you you gotta keep all this in mind. Okay, well, I think you've driven home privacy really well there. Okay. So is there anything you'd like to say in in summing up? Yeah, what you've so, just been talking about. So with with respect to um, cameras, um, if you don't feel you're technically inclined just yet, but don't worry, we'll get you there. So with security cameras, sorry, I shouldn't say they're security, they're surveillance cameras because they don't provide any security if you're, you're getting beaten up to a pulp. I, I challenge you to write to your council or whoever you feel appropriate, maybe with an OIA request, and say, What's the intended person uh, purpose of this camera? What's the capability? What's it? Is it doing person or object recognition? Is it doing license plate scanning? Who's looking at the video feed? Where is that person who's looking at the video feed located? What company do they work for? Who's operating it and are they subcontracted? How long is the video content kept for? What are the terms and conditions for that company? How often is software patching performed? Does the camera have any AI built into it or is the feed being uh, feed being sent into a system upstream that is doing AI analysis on it? You've just and blown the poor, poor guy out of the water. Pretty, pretty much. And yeah. um, I, I think we really need to understand that we're in a spiritual war. They are constructing a legal prison by making up rules that suits them to make a prison we cannot see, taste, touch, or smell. And in my view, it will be enforced and policed by the digital realm. We need to remember that evil exists outside of the movies, and it's not always obvious. Evil doesn't always wear black clothing, a black cape, a black helmet, is strong with the dark side of the force and has a respiratory problem. It doesn't look like a purple-skinned, um, coloured, muscular titan with a nutsack for a chin carrying infinity stones in a, a gauntlet. We need to call a spade a spade here. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting that you've made that point. Um, yeah, that that's quite a bit to think about. And, you know, the poor guy you're writing to with all those questions, they'll, they have no clue. Uh, they, won't have, they won't have thought about it. No, that, be, that's be, beyond them. Um it, but, but here's the thing about digital prison. As soon as you trip over the line, you, you know nothing until you trip over the line. Yeah. And, and then and suddenly gates go up, bollards are in the way of your car, or the power won't switch on, or you can't make that transaction. Daddy, daddy, da. Or drones turn up with um, stun guns built into them. 
Well, look, a couple of drones turned up at the Kremlin, got the flag. So that's doable. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. A lot to think about there and a good warning at the end. All right. I'm looking forward to doing Tech Tuesdays, especially if they're going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can keep it up. Yeah, you 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 got to keep on looking out for that uh, stuff to talk about, and we'll get into some more practical things as we go along. So, uh, Stephen Sykes, how do I describe you? I don't want to say IT expert. I hate the word expert. I don't like to use it. We sort of uh, had an agreement on what we, we'd describe you as, um, but I've forgotten it already. So, you, you give me give me the. But don't let your privacy go if you don't want it. <laughs> um, I'm just a guy in. Um, who who likes technology so long as it's made for the purposes of the, and good of people. But aside from that, I'm just a guy who who gives a toss. Uh, well put. Okay, good to uh, talk with you again, Stephen. Look forward to next Tuesday. Thanks. I'll uh, catch you then. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.